Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Um, I just want to give a real thank you to the logistics team this morning. <laughs> we uh, all looked like drowned rats, and then as soon as everything came in, it stopped raining, which was, uh, which was great. But thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name's Nick, and we're continuing with our series through Advent called The Songs of Christmas. Uh, last week, we spoke about Mary's song when Mary went to go and visit Elizabeth. And this week, we're talking about the angel's song. And so in the context of the narrative, Mary has now returned home from Elizabeth Joseph has had a visitation from the angel, and he's been told not to divorce or put Mary away, that this is actually of God. And the next thing that happens is that the Roman government calls for a census, and they ask everyone to return to the cities of their birth or the cities of the the head of their lineage, which means that Joseph and Mary need to return to Bethlehem. Now, when all of this multiple Old Testament prophecies are being fulfilled, and we can't go into all of that this morning... And what we're looking at this morning particularly is what's called the angel's song. It's a very, very short song. It's the kind of musical I really like. So, uh, so Patrick loves the sing-through musicals where everything is sung, right? So uh, Hamilton is a sing-through musical where literally everyone is singing every line. But this morning section is, is basically just one song of one line, and that's what we're going to focus on. Luke 2, verse 6 to 20, and I'm reading out of the ESV. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. At the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning, even as grace has um, already challenged us, uh, that there would be just a fresh sense of us opening our hearts and minds to your spirit, stories that are so familiar, stories that are so common to us, uh, that we would see a fresh beauty and be just apprehended by your grace in new and unique ways. So in those days, uh, the birth of a baby was a big deal. 
In those days, the birth of a baby meant all the family would come to your home, there would be musicians, there would be singing and dancing, and there would be a huge fuss. And Mary didn't have any of that. Uh, she was not aware of what was going on. Mary did not see the singing and the angels and the glory and heaven lining up. She didn't see any of that. It, it was like she was told about it. This was like your child being the star of this concert and you not being there and just being told about it. Um, but this kind of aspect of the story is less about Mary and more about the shepherds. And I... I I often like to kind of put myself in the character of these shepherds. And it says, in that region, there were these shepherds, and in that moment, an angel appears. And if you're a shepherd with another group of shepherds, I'm trying to figure out what kind of shepherd are you? Because we know our response to fear is fight, flight, or freeze. And Corin's response to fear is definitely freeze. So she's a, a possum, you know, when it comes to, to fear. And the other night, some of you know we have a dog called Bono, and he's killed multiple possums. And the other night, Karen woke me up, and there's another possum in the yard. And so I pick up the possum. I scooped the possum. I did. Karen held a bag, which she tells me is the harder part of the job, you know. We held the bag, tied the bag up, we tossed the possum in the trash, and, um, and we think it's over. And the next day, Karen goes to throw trash <laughs> in the trash can, and the possum's like staring up at her like, hey, what's up, you know? <laughs> at which case, Karen just froze in that second, no. Uh, Karen is a freezer, and I, I often wonder, like, what would I have been in that moment. These shepherds have this moment where the extraordinary is happening. I mean, if you were to think about just our fear in the dark when you're just walking around and a twig cracks, right? And you're like, what was that noise? Or you're in the home and you hear something creak that you don't, and you're, you're like all freaking out. Now, this is way different, guys. This is an angel that appears. And just as you're getting used to the angel appearing, what happens? Let's turn it up like 20 notches. A whole host of angels appears in that second. And they say, what did Katie say this morning? Fear not. Are you kidding me? Fear not. Suddenly the multitude of the host of heavenly angels is singing the song, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, we, we think of fear as something that is negative, but actually fear is a neutral capacity. Fear actually has the ability to keep us alive. You know, you should be fearful of driving your car in the opposite direction of traffic. That is a good fear. That fear will keep you alive. But fear can also completely immobilize you, and it can ruin your life. So this morning, we're looking at how the angel's song conquers our fears, our fear of the mundane, our fear of rejection, and our fear of the dark. This is the season where many parents are going to nativity plays, right? How many of you have already been to them? How many of you are already over them, right? Now, have you ever been, though there are teachers here as well, has there anyone ever put their hand up and say, you know, Miss Karen, I want to be the shepherd? No, 
No one one ever wants to be the shepherd. Probably the lowest character below the shepherd is like one of the donkeys or, you know, one of the farm animals in there. And, And so part of the problem that we need to recognize is that in the first century, this was a reality for shepherds and specifically hireling shepherds. And they had a very unsavory reputation. Our rabbinic sources tell us that, this is a quote, most of the time they were dishonest and thieving, they led their herds onto other people's land, and they pilfered the produce of the land. Shepherds were accused of stealing, uh, they were not allowed to hold judicial office, they weren't even allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. Socioeconomically, they were the lowest rung of the social and economic ladder, they had no formal education, and also they were very practically undesirable. Uh, How many of you guys have been camping with no showers? Okay, so for a couple of days, you can get used to that, but after a while, that stench becomes like another person in the room, you know? And there's the smell of shepherds that have been walking with their sheep, not to mention the smell of the sheep. And so you've got these men that are kind of on the outskirts of society because of the mundaneness and commonness of their job, but also the fact that there is no dignity in what they're doing. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel in this current culture that even calling yourself a Christian is like calling yourself a shepherd back then. You're uneducated, uninformed, you're common, and maybe even potentially dangerous. And yet, who do the angels appear to? Because God delights in using common things. God delights in using common things. Here is God presented in the most mundane and most ordinary and common way, a borrowed manger in a borrowed shelter. Now, we say manger. Manger sounds so nice and cute It's a feeding trough. It's a dog's bowl. You have to understand that. You have to understand that when we say manger, we have all these beautiful pictures, and they're great, but this was a feeding trough, an animal's feeding trough in a borrowed place. This is where the mundane and magnificent collide. This is where God is made flesh. This is where royalty invades a stable and the spectacular shines in the humble. This is where God himself is incarnate in a child. There could be no more common setting for this, no more common people to hear the message. In a borrowed manger that speaks of humility, in swaddling cloths that speak of restriction. In both of those moments, we get a glimpse into what this Jesus will be. A humble person who has restricted his deity just like that child has been restricted in those swaddling cloths. This morning we sang Hark, and I think sometimes we forget of the power of these carols. Sometimes they, we hear them in the mall, we hear them on the radio, Mariah Carey sings them, and they're like, whatever, right? <laughs> but I want you to listen to this. Christ by highest heavens adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. God with us. Choosing a humble 
restricted moment in history, a common mundane moment to enter our lives. And we fear, our fear is how can my life be meaningful or exceptional because it's so ordinary, it's so humble, it's so restricted. Because our culture has written us off just like the shepherds were written off. But in this moment, Jesus' incarnation dignifies our ordinary and mundane lives. We also fear rejection. The angel says to them in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We'll have fear of rejection. Sometimes people look at me and say, well, uh, it doesn't look like you have fear of rejection. Well, just because I am bombastic doesn't mean I, have, I don't have fear of rejection, you know. I just experience it in a different way. And I've recently experienced a different kind of fear of rejection because when my girls were younger, I would ask them on a dad date, and they would be all excited, and they would be, yay, that'd be fun. And so it, it wouldn't take any energy or fear from me to do that. It would be, hey, do you want to go on a dad date? And it'd be fine. Now it's like, so, um, you know, Kiana, I mean, I'm, I know you guys are busy, you have your own lives, but like maybe you want to, maybe you want to spend time with dad, you know, you know. And they're like, well, I don't know, after my assignments, you know, after my work, after this, you know, and I don't like the places that you go. And so, and so there's this, things have shifted. And as I approach them, there is this fear that they may reject me. Now, it's funny, and I know, I know I'm not ultimately being rejected. <sighs> he says. But there's the sense in which when we are pursuing someone, there is the sense of, are they going to reject me? Now, the joy of the incarnation is that Jesus is the one that is pursuing. And if someone is pursuing us, if Jesus is reaching out, if Jesus is the one that is pursuing us, it is impossible to, for him to reject us. No one that is pursuing you will reject you. You can reject them. But the person that is pursuing you will never reject you. And, and the, the glory of this song is what the angel said, to all, to you, a Savior is born. That Jesus has come for you individually, not just corporately, individually, Jesus has come for you. While we were yet enemies of God, God in His grace reached out to us. And so this fear of rejection that is in every human being and that we experience in different places, we know we will never experience that from God because He is the one that pursued us. What magnificent news. What magnificent news for those that are estranged from God. What magnificent news for those that are lonely, for those that are lost, for those that are proud, for those that are wandering. What magnificent news for those that are hurt. Everyone. For unto all this child is born. The baby is not just born to Mary and Joseph. Verse 11 indicates that the baby is born to you. You shepherds, you outcasts, you people that no one cares about. This child is born to you and all people. This is not just about Jews. This is not just about the pious. This is not just about the religious class. This is all Jews and not just all Jews, all nations. This child is born 
to everyone. The angel song deals with our fear of the mundane. It deals with our fear of rejection and also deals with our fear of the darkness. When we fear the dark, we really are not fearing the dark. We're fearing the unknown. We don't know what could be hiding in there. Those of you that have children, how many of your children are terrified of the closet during the day? No. It's not during the day that they're terrified of the closet or under the bed. Why? Because they can see clearly that there is no monster in the closet or under the bed. But it's at night, it's in the darkness, that when things begin to look a little different. You know, we come towards the end of the year and we're all deeply grateful that it wasn't 2020, but it was still dark. Believe it or not, we're still in the midst of a war. There are people dying in Eastern Europe. Mass shootings, disasters, protests, inflation. It maybe was not as dark a year as 20 or 21, but it was still a dark year. And a lot of us sit on the precipice of 2023 wondering, what kind of year will this be? What kind of monsters are lurking in that closet? And you know what is the greatest ally to the enemy is your imagination. It's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare myself for next year. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to imagine what kind of monsters can be waiting for me in 2023. We try and deal with fear by anticipating what the monster in the closet will look like. The thing that we don't realize is that light dissolves fear and anxiety, and in order to see light, what, what happens is, is deep darkness makes light shine brighter. So um, David and Christy were in Hawaii, and we told them that one of the things that they should do is go to Mount Haleakala. You like that? Haleakala. I feel like doing a haka right now. <laughs> Haleakala. Um, and we said to them, you should go at night, because we have never seen the stars like that. And so what happens is you go up, it's 13,000 feet, and you wait, and the sunset is absolutely amazing. But this is the thing. You have to wait for it to become really dark to actually see the glory of the stars that are shining there. And you know when you step out in L.A. and you look up to see the star, <laughs> like literally the one star we can see in L.A., you know, Oh, that's the moon. That's a big star. You know, that's about all we can see. But what they experienced and what Car and I experienced was there was, was in deep, deep darkness. It makes that light just so much more extraordinary. And there is no darkness that can ever shade the light of truth and the light of God. And in this moment, those angels came in the darkness, kind of blew out their minds and said, this is for you. Things always look worse at night, right? I mean, how many of you guys have received bad news? You go to bed, you wake up in the morning, nothing has changed. But you, it just feels better. It's warmer. You can see that there are no monsters around. We make some very poor decisions in the middle of the night. Very poor decisions. I told you Karen is definitely a freeze person. I am definitely a fight person. And so we got married when we were, um, we, did, we didn't have our own home when we got married. We were staying with my parents in the cottage. 
And in South Africa, they don't have dryers. You, you put your clothes out to dry on a clothesline. And it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, I'm looking out of the door. Corinne wakes up. She says, what are you doing? I said, shh, there's someone out there. And she's like, get back into bed. I'm like, no, this is what we're going to do. You're going to open the door. Yes, this is what we're going to do, right? So I was crouching at the door, and I said, this is what you're going to do. I'm, he's probably thinking there's no one awake. If I make enough noise, he's going to run away. I want you to open the door, and then I'm going to just run straight for him. And so Corinne's like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. I'm like, on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. She flings the door open. I go running down the path. I don't see this bucket that I end up kicking into this, the sky. I get there, and it's coveralls that are on a clothesline, it's a spinning clothesline, you know what I mean? And so what I thought was an intruder was coveralls that are sitting like, they're kind of like a scarecrow that are going round and round on this. Um, in the day, I wouldn't have done that. I'm pretty sure in the day I wouldn't have done that. Um, what happens though at night is we make up our own danger. When things are dark, we, we create this idea of there is something there, even when there isn't. Light brings us perspective, it brings us warmth, security, and hope. In Isaiah verse 9, Isaiah is prophesying of Jesus, and he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Okay? Isaiah goes on to prophesy in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and of, the peace, and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it, with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Imagine receiving this message that the prophesied king would come and rescue you out of slavery and oppression. And he's just been born, and the angels bring you not a message of hope, but a message of fulfillment. But imagine 30 years later, when you're talking about the story with the rest of the shepherds, saying, we are still oppressed. We are still in poverty. We are still dealing with the injustice, brutality, brutality and cruelty. None of these things have ceased. It doesn't seem like he is on the throne. Because what happens in darkness is that we make other things greater enemies than the enemy of our own soul. And we tend to forget that the greatest enemy, the enemy of death and sin, is what Jesus came to deal with first. And so we become weary. We become weary in the dark of unfulfilled hope. Because we've placed all of our hope in the temporary and the promise of change while we live. And our eternal hope begins to fade. But our greatest fear is abated by what we actually do know of this incarnation. Because sin, our greatest enemy and the great separator, is what Jesus came to deal with. When Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, 
Sin immediately began its work of separation. Darkness immediately began to encroach on God's light. It separated Adam from Eve and Adam and Eve from God. Death is our ultimate fear. And as Wesley says in Hark, which is a verse we never sing because there are like six verses of Hark, he says this, Adam's likeness, Lord, efface, Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, that's Jesus, reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain thee the life, the inner man. O to all thyself impart, formed in each believing heart. In that moment, as Wesley is writing this amazing hymn of the incarnation of Jesus, He's recognizing in that moment that Jesus is coming as the second Adam. And there will be this, this, this reality that Jesus is coming in Adam's likeness, that God is coming as a human being, and he's going to restamp us with the image of God, but never ever to be lost again. Jesus is our victorious Savior. He is the one that has defeated death and Satan. He is our sacrificial lamb, the one who paid the penalty for our sin. He is our king that comes to rule and protect, but he is our intimate friend and brother because he knows every emotion, temptation, and pain because he chose to be incarnated with humanity, enfleshed, veiled, incarnate deity. He's our high priest who can sympathize, but he is also our empowerer, equipping us to bring glimpses of the kingdom. And this is what we glimpse in our darkest times. He will return. He promised that he will return to make all things well. We're invited to become storytellers. In verse 17, when the shepherds hear this, they don't suddenly become priests. They don't suddenly become preachers. They continue to be shepherds, but they have a story. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds left, and they went back to what they were doing. But they went back to what they were doing with a story to tell. You will not believe this. And now the problem with us is that sometimes we feel like, okay, if Jesus has met me, then things need to change. Then everything about my life needs to be different. The shepherds had a poor reputation. But the shepherds had contact because of what they had with everyone in the strata of Jewish society. The poor, the middle class, the priestly class. Why? Because everyone in the sacrificial system needed what? They needed a sheep or a lamb. And these are the people that had them. And in that moment, can you imagine the shepherd telling the story? I've come for a lamb to be able to sacrifice. Now, I don't know that the shepherds would understand. I'm pretty sure they didn't know, ultimately, because they were expecting a king to come and rescue them from their oppression in terms of Rome and in terms of Herod. But I mean, imagine the joy of this, of them not even recognizing this. That yes, I'm giving you this lamb that you can sacrifice for the Jewish sacrificial system. But the angels have told me about this lamb that will be sacrificed once for all. 
for everyone, never to be sacrificed again. They're telling the story. Every one of you have a unique circle of influence. Maybe not like shepherds where your influence stretches over, but some of you are in a priestly class. Some of you are in a low class. Some of you are in an educated class. And it's within that class, it's within that sphere that you are able to tell the story, the story of a God who became man, the story of a man who came and brought a kingdom, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, that vision was given to the blind, a man who died so that our sin could be paid for, but a God who is raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, where I do not need to fear darkness anymore. I do not need to fear rejection. I do not need to, fe- need to fear the mundane. And I certainly don't need to fear death anymore because this lamb has come. We have the most amazing story to tell. Not just the story of Jesus, but of what he has done in your life. The incarnation cures us of the fear that our little, faithful, ordinary, common lives are insignificant. A contract closed, a nose wiped, a mow, mow, a lawn mowed. You know. Whatever you are doing, whatever God has chosen you to do in that moment, if we do it as unto Him, it is a moment where the common and magnificent collide in that moment, just like it did in that stable. Band, you can come up. If Christ is in you, then every common action you perform as unto him is an explosion of the good news where the the mundane and impossible collide in that moment. And every tentative step we take, trusting Jesus in the midst of our darkness, every every dawn that we approach knowing that we will begin to see the light, every time that we are rejected because we are the common shepherds, we know that this is not our home. We know that we find our deep significance because we are His. We are pursued. We are loved. This morning... I want the band to play Hark over us, the angel song. But I want us to actually just listen. Whether you, whether you read it on the screen, or whether you just take a moment to listen freshly to those words. We're going to go into communion afterwards, but communion is again. The incarnation is, is where the mundane and the glorious collide. Communion is where the mundane and the glorious collide. What is simpler than bread and wine, but what is more profound than the body and blood of Jesus Christ? This is this tactile sense of being able to connect with Jesus. But without the incarnation, we would not have these elements that we can touch and taste and smell. Because without a God that came in flesh, we wouldn't be able to say, this is his flesh, this is his blood. Without Jesus' humble, restrictive beginning, we don't have his sacrificial death. Without that, we don't have his glorious resurrection. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. 
Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Spirit of God, I pray that as we just posture ourselves in a place of of allowing the truth and the power of that song to penetrate our souls rather than bounce off. I want to pray that those that are struggling with the fear of the mundane, that you would come and bring courage to them. Those that are dealing with fear of rejection, whether they've been rejected by family or friends or even in the context of this culture, that you would remind us that you pursued us. And those that at the end of this year are fearful, wondering what is lurking in the dark and in the unknown will know. Jesus, you are the light of the world. And the closer we stand to you, the more illuminated our circumstances become.
Thank you, Nick, for, um, yeah, just that reminding us of the, the power of the incarnation and that how it, it pushes out darkness, it pushes out fear, um, and it brings life every day. Um, and we're going to respond in a few different ways this morning, but I just want to invite us first to respond in communion. Um, like Nick mentioned, without the incarnation, we don't have communion. And just this incredible gift of Christ coming in human form to, to bring us eternal life. And so I invite you all, we're going to go um, go to the tables. There's uh, some of the, on the left, or on your right and in the back. And bring it back to your seat. And we're going to take communion together and go from there. we thank you that you in your kindness broke into our lives. That you, you didn't leave us in darkness, but you entered into pain and the brokenness of this world to bring us light and life. We thank you that you entered into the mundane 
to bring glory and freedom and healing. That's what this meal represents this morning, God. That you have brought restoration, healing, and life to the death in our lives. I thank you for the the body broken, that you felt real pain. You did not run away from it, God. You entered in to bring us healing. So we take we take this meal in, in remembrance of your broken body, God. Thank you for the blood that was shed that washes us clean not withhold yourself what you poured out, Father. And in that pouring out, you have given us new life, that you have called us new names, you've called us your children, that you don't see us in our brokenness and our sin anymore, God. You see us through your Son. So let's take and drink, remembering the blood that was shed that brings us new life. This morning, as, as Nick was preaching, I just felt um, a couple um, couple areas where I want us to respond. Um, one in the area of of this this idea of rejection and how the angel song um, reminds us that God is the one who pursues us and He will never reject us. Um, but I I just feel the sense of if you have yeah these these deep wounds of rejection that that you still feel. It might have been from childhood, from last week. It doesn't matter. God's, God wants to address both of those. He wants to bring healing. And so we're going to have some people um, on your right to the side over there. It's going to be available for prayer. Um, if, that, if that resonates with you, just these, these deeper wounds of feeling rejection, whether that's from friends, family, the church, um, yeah, the gospel, the gospel addresses, though, and they, they wants to, God wants to attend to those. And, um, and the second thing is... Yeah, just Sean, was, Sean shared with me this idea that grace's word just kind of keeps coming back up. The idea of this, maybe you feel like you're in the season of your kind of these, these dead branches, um, feeling kind of the season of, of death and kind of waiting uh, for new life. And, and as, as the song sings, life in light, he brings. He brings both. So if you're stuck in that season of, of death and waiting and darkness and also those feelings of anxiety, um, Anxiety is very real, and the gospel is even more real. Um, and God wants to meet you in that. He's not He's not calling you to figure it out on your own. Um, so I encourage you, if those are also things you're feeling of, this kind of waiting in this darkness and not feeling the new life, or this feelings of just feeling anxious about what the future holds, trying to figure it out and plan it out all on your own. Um, joke in our family that my wife, um, she's, she can be a very anxious person. She pre-mourns. So I'm going to think about all the things that could go wrong. That way I can, I can mourn them first. Um, but God actually calls us into a season of, of holding on to the true things in life and saying, I'm going to declare that your promises are good and true. Um, and so and a lot of times we can't, we can't do that for ourselves. We need people to do that for us. So if you're in that place this morning, we'd love to pray for you and help you help declare those truths of light and life over you. Um, the band's going to lead us in just one more song as we respond in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you, you came and we have the hope and the promise of you coming again. 
that we can stand in the power of the, of the empty tomb. God, would you help us live into that daily? Would you help us believe the angel's song, God? Would you empower us as we, as we go today, God, to, uh, to speak truth, to bring light and life, God, the spirit of the living God living inside of us? God, would that pour out of us as we go, Father? We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the promise that what you have started, you will finish. We love you and we need you. Amen. Thank you all for for joining us today. Our formal time of gathering is done, but there are still people on the side. If you want to receive prayer, please do. We have coffee and treats in the back of the gym this morning to keep us out of the rain. Um, So please, you know, go out and be the church. I've just spent some time here being the church. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.